Welcome to the Kingsway Christian Fellowship. We hope that you'll be blessed as you listen to this audio sermon streamed live from Melbourne, Australia. Kingsway Christian Fellowship is a family Bible-based non-denominational church preaching Jesus Christ, based in Wonturner. Visit www.kingswaychristianfellowship.com. Now here is Pastor Werner Schultz. As we were reading, my wife and I, when we have our devotion in the morning, read the Bible and pray and so on. And there's one word that came into my heart, and I want to speak on it. I have never spoken on it. And uh, so I want to speak about two professions. So, and let's read and go to... uh, Matthew chapter 7, the verses 21 to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, listen carefully what Jesus said. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. And Lord, we bow down before your word because the word you spoke and the word you speak, O Lord, are so important. I pray, Lord, that you might listen this morning to your word. And I pray, Lord, that you will give grace to speak your word, give grace to listen to your word and understand your word, and also give grace to act upon your word. We thank you in the precious, wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Now it was in 1985, when we came to Australia, we migrated then to Australia, And I had a driver's license from Germany. And so I had to make a test. And guess what was the most important question? And I I failed that question. What was it? No, no, no. I got that. What? Alcohol. Because... In German, it's normal. We never learned it in in driving school. Of course, did we understand that you don't drink alcohol and then drive a car. But I missed this point because I think the tests were then also with two, three answers, and you should seek one answer and find out one answer. There was no answer with zero. Alcohol. 
and so on, and I took the wrong way. And he said, well, you made a mistake. No problem. When we study the Bible, it's very, very easy. Amen? You don't have to have many degrees of theology. But if you read the Bible, you can understand. Because everywhere where we read the Bible, there is something. Either or. You understand this? Either or. In German we sagen, we say, wenn und aber. That means there are only two choices. And Jesus speaks about here very clearly. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. Oh, we are so glad if anybody confesses Jesus as Lord. Amen? But listen, there's something hooked to it. And it got me when I studied this. During the week, I was praying, I was reading, I was thinking, Lord, what can I say? God made it very simple. Either you are or you are not. Is that right? Either you are inside or you are outside. And the Bible makes very clearly. And we find it in the Bible in the beginning, you know. There's either black or white. There's either day or night. And we see it clearly. And there's either right or wrong. Is it hard to decide? And that you have to say, well, any, many, which one shall I take? There's either this or that. And that's what the Bible is all about. There is only two ways. Either you are on the broad way to hell, or you are on the narrow road to heaven. And on that road is many troubles, but there is a wonderful Goal, and it's the heavenly rich Jerusalem. Hallelujah. This world will come to an end. Hallelujah. And we are not subject to these things that are going on here on earth. Our brothers and sisters, about 2,000 years ago, they had a, a corrupt government. And they did they preach about it and say, well, listen. The government is so corrupt. We must do something. We should get all to Rome and stand before Caesar and say, we just don't want this law. Of course, we have the opportunity to do so. Not saying anything against this. But they didn't do anything in that. They couldn't influence the, the government. But they preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the interesting thing we see here from verse 13 to 29 in this chapter, we always find two possibilities. Jesus speaks about there are two gates, there are two ways, there are true prophets, and there are false prophets. Very easy to decide. And you understand clearly, if you know the Bible, you know, there's only one way. It can't be both. There's no third way, is there? Some Christians try to find a third way. So it's a way in between, half on the side 
of the small and narrow way, and then half on the other side. And they made themselves a little road. This road does not exist in the Bible. Can I hear an amen? This road does not exist in the Bible. And the Bible makes this very clear. And Jesus said there are only two gates, two roads. And of course, it's important. He speaks about good trees and bad trees, good fruits and bad fruits, good profession, or, yeah, profession and bad ones. Where you thought I said, Lord, Lord, and yet you missed it. And yet you will not go to heaven. That's what Jesus said. I know it's not pleasant to hear, is it? It would be pleasant to hear if I would say, well, all roads go to heaven. No. Everybody in this world will somewhere or another end up in the hands of God. Either he will be ushered into the kingdom of God, or it is a terrible thing, terrifying thing, to fall in the hands of the living God. So everybody one day will end up in the hands of God, either in the hands of the living God for condemnation, or you will usher in into the heavenly Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Now, when Jesus did all this preaching, and we read in Matthew 7, verse 28 and 29, Jesus was praised about the preaching he did. Amen? And he, the Bible says there, when Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one having what? Authority. People knew when Jesus opens his mouth, there's not funny things coming out of his mouth. When he spoke, it was life. It was truth. For he was teaching them as someone who having authority and not as their scribes. Now listen. Black and white preachers, black and white preachers are those who preach with authority. Can you understand? Do you, are you able to pick whether somebody is a black and white preacher? Would you able to pick whether somebody is preaching about a third way? You would. And that's important, that's what Jesus said. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of God. Because there's a reason. And I thought, why is it? And if we read the Bible, we will find out. Now there's a profession with eternal life. Or to eternal life. We read in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, every Christian should know it by heart. If that you, or if you confess with your mouth, Jesus Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from dead, you will be what? Saved. This is a profession 
we must do. And the Bible says, for with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in what? In salvation. Hallelujah. We see it, that's the profession we should do. Professing that Jesus is Lord and he will receive eternal life. That's just reciting of a Christian tenant. Make us a disciple of Jesus. What do you reckon? No, 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 no. And even not perhaps when some evangelists boast about, I had all the people in front of me, they came to the front and they all spoke the sinner's prayer. Perhaps even not then. It's more involved in it. And that's important. Of course, in order to become a Muslim, you just recite a Muslim teaching. And it is like this, perhaps, before some witnesses. Allah is God and Muhammad his prophet. And if you confess this or profess this in front of Muslim witnesses, you are Muslim and you can kill anyone you want. So then, then you're Muslim. Is it the other way around with the gospel? No way. And Jesus makes it very clear. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God. Do you understand it? But those who do the will of the Father in heaven will enter, hallelujah. That's why the question this morning is this. Do you do the will of the Father? Do you do the will of the Father? Can we know the will of the Father? That's very important. And so we see here clearly, and the Bible says, Jesus is Lord. Can we make Jesus Lord? Can we make Jesus Lord? I heard sometimes these phrases, if you make him your Lord, can we make him Lord? I still hear my dear brother Ira Morgan preaching in one of our camps before, years and years ago. And he said, nobody can make Jesus a Lord. Jesus is Lord or he is not Lord. It's not your decision nor mine to make him Lord. The only thing we could do is accept him as the Lord. And who made Jesus Lord? God, amen. Seb, did you know what I was preaching this morning? No? Did you see somewhere my, my notes? But he preached already something I wanted to preach. In Philippians 2, 9, verse 10. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is about Every name, hallelujah. And the story before that we know that he humbled himself and he became a man and he was um, found as a servant. 
so that in the name of Jesus every knee, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father, God the Father. So we see God made him already Lord. And whether you say, yes, you are Lord, but if you say, Lord, Lord, there's something linked to it. It doesn't help you in any way. It doesn't help anyone. But those who do the will of the Father. There are so many Lord, Lord sayers. Say, Lord, Lord. And oh boy, the Americans, when they are surprised in something, you always say, oh my, G-O-D. And I find it so, so bad. Get rid of these words when you're amazed and say, oh my, don't do it. Do the will of the Father, and that's so important for, for everyone. But those who do the will of the Father, there's a day coming where everyone will be standing on the testing station of God. Everyone, you will stand one day before God. And here, there are some on the testing station, and Jesus is checking them out. And these people will say, Lord, we have done great things in your name. Even if we use the name of Jesus successfully, you understand what I mean? Even if we use the name of Jesus successfully, what we success call. Jesus said, well, where are you from? I, I never ever knew you. Why? We did great things in your name. We did great things, even miracles. And on this testing station, there's only one criteria important, and that is this. To do the will of the Father. Hallelujah. But he who does the will of the Father will what? Enter. Hallelujah. Notice the response of Jesus then on this testing station is this here. He is a sovereign Lord. And as I said, even successfully things you might have done in the name of Jesus, still Jesus said, I don't knew you. And that's a very important phrase. Not important that we know the Lord. It's much more important that the Lord knows us. The question is, do the Lord knows you? Do the Lord knows you? Oh, yes, I have said, always, Lord, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, and so on. 
Now, I never knew you. What a horrible response of Jesus. I never knew you. In other words, you did things which I never agreed to. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Is there anything worse in the Bible than be called a lawless one? And you know who's going to be law, uh, named and called at the end the lawless one? Who is this? Who is the lawless one? Satan, the Antichrist. In other words, if Jesus says, depart from me who practice lawlessness, that's the worst thing, and there's opposition to Jesus and to God the Father. Iniquity is using God's power without God's authority. In other words, if somebody would get your, your credit card and go shopping, and somehow he found the PIN number, found out the PIN number, are you happy about it? No? What would you call him? A thief. Yes? You would call him a thief. No, and that is what it is. If we use the name of Jesus in vain, and that's what the Bible preaches very clearly. Now, what is the desire of God or the will of God for the unbeliever? Anybody knows that? God's will for the unbeliever is what? That what? Repentance? And what? Be saved? God's will for the unbeliever for all men is salvation. Hallelujah. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 4. Who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. This is a spiritual or a scriptural knockout for every hyper-Calvinist. This is a knockout for every hyper-Calvinist. Very God will that everyone, not only those who are so-called predestined, if you are a person, a man, then you are predestined to salvation. Hallelujah. And that's so important. And this knockout is so important. If you want to go to Sydney, I'm, I mean not flying, but with a train. And if you, the moment you step onto the train that is destined to Sydney, where will you end up? Where? Sydney. And there's a reason why. The train is not on the roads. The train can't bend left or right. These trains have been laid 
directly to Sydney. And if the moment you go on board of this train, you will, and you are predestined for Sydney then. Hallelujah. And that's the thing in the Bible as well. As soon as you put your faith in Jesus Christ and do the will of the Father, you are destined for heaven. Hallelujah. Is anybody here predestined for heaven? Amen. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. You are. If you're on this train, there's an old, old English song. The gospel train is coming. Do you know that? You should know it. I heard it in Germany when I was a young man. The gospel train is coming. And then in the chorus it goes, get on board. Get on board. Get on board. All you have to do is get on board of this gospel train. And there's only one track if you're on the gospel train. And that track goes directly to heaven. Hallelujah. Years ago, I met a super or hyper Calvinist. Have you ever met hyper Calvinists? What they look like and so on. And I spoke to him, and he was a Calvinist through and through. Of course, it's unbiblical, totally unbiblical. Unbiblical. The Bible doesn't say anywhere that some are destined for heaven and the others destined for hell. You decide, that's why. And he said, well, even if the Bible says we must believe, oh, stop, stop, stop. Here is something we must do. In other words, we can't do anything but sin. Could you? Why can't you believe then? Oh, he said, God must believe for me. Now I ask myself, who has sinned, God or you? You must believe, and that's the condition. God says that everybody who believes in Jesus shall have eternal life. Amen. Get on board. Get on board, brother. Get on board, young girl. Get on board. Whoever is here this morning. Remember the ark and how did the people get into the ark? Were they catapulted into the ark? No, they had to go, go up the steps Noah made. I don't know how he made it, but perhaps I could imagine the long boards and then with something across in order to not to slip back. And they went in. And interestingly, who made that the animals went in? All the people who were in, there were only eight people, they were in because they believed a funny preacher, but he was called by Peter a preacher of righteousness. And he preached, and he preached. And all the people who went in, they were secure. 
only unreasonable animals who couldn't understand the preaching of Noah. They were sent in by God. Yes. They came in because God brought them in. Not that the Lord said, oh, well, this goat is predestined for the ark. And the other sheep is not. No, all these animals came and God gave it into their dis, uh, instinct to come in. And all those who were in were saved. Amen. All those who are in the ark of Jesus Christ are destined for heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. What did Peter say when he preached on the day of Pentecost? Acts chapter 2. You remember? And after Peter preached, and then the man, he said, Brethren, what? Listen, what were they saying? What must we do? Other words in the Bible, we must do. And some people say, I don't like the Bible, all these do's and don'ts. But what must we do? And Peter said, just a moment, you? You? You can't do anything. Did he say that? No. And he made it very clearly what they had to do. And that's why it's important. Peter, in Acts chapter 2, 38, Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. What must we do? Oh, you, you, you can't do anything. You can't do anything. But here the Bible says we must do. Repent. Believe in Jesus Christ. And if we don't believe, we will not be saved. Now what is the will for believers? And that was the critical point at the testing station on the day when Jesus will test us. What is a critical point? Not everyone enters the kingdom of God. All those who say, Lord, 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 doesn't matter how often, how many times, how quick you say it, but those who what? D-O. Do the will of the Father. And there's no other way around it. Either you do the will of the Father or you don't. If you do, they will go, let me say, in that picture to Sydney on the rail. Because there's only one way to heaven, that is Jesus. And if you're on this gospel train, you're going to heaven. Hallelujah. And you will be in the kingdom of God. Now, what is the will of God for believers? 
And there is this a very simple word. Sanctify. Sanctify. Sanctification. Have you heard this word before? Have you read it anywhere in the Bible? Sanctification. That is the will of the Lord of God for every believer. And Thessalonians, First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. For you know what commandment we gave you by the authority of the Lord. Paul is reminding the Thessalonians, and he said, well, do you remember we gave you some commandments? I think we are free from commandments. The law has nothing to do with us anymore. But we gave you commandments. And what is this? For this is the will of God, verse 3. Your sanctification, that is, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Do you understand that word? I haven't written this, this word. The Apostle Paul has written this word and wrote clearly to the people in Thessalonica. That is the will of God, sanctification. And if you are not willing to enter into sanctification by the Spirit of God, and if you don't yield to the Spirit of God, guess what? Are you doing the will of the Father? Yes or no? What? Are you doing the will of the Father? Yes or no? No. And where is this, this no getting you? To heaven? What's the matter? Don't you read the Bible? I just read it for you. Did you understand it? Of course, my German accent, my twist a little bit of things, I don't know. If you don't say, Lord, sanctify me. Of course, he has sanctified you through the blood. And that means you're right before God. But our life, and our life, unfortunately, has something to do with doing. With doing. And he says very clearly, for this is the will of God. Your sanctification, that is that you abstain from sexual immorality. Now we know the Greek world then was rotten. They went to the temples of Zeus or whatever it was, or temple. And there in the temple was horrible, horrible things. They thought that serving Zeus or Diana, you know, the temple in Ephesus, for instance, and when Paul preached there, and the people got mad, and they ran together and made a great thing. Great is the goddess of the Ephesians, Diana. 
And actually what happened there was so-called religious prostitution. And that's what Paul says, don't do that. You are being sanctified by the blood of Jesus, righteous before God. So now, so now, the will of the Lord of God is to abstain from all these things. Sanctification is becoming more and more like Jesus. I'm reading a book from Pastor Wormbrand from Romania when he was in prison in Romania, what he experienced, boy, boy, boy. You have no idea, no idea. And he yet hold fast to the gospel. He held fast to Jesus. And there were times where he almost lost his, his reason because of all that what happened. He was ill with tuberculosis. And he was among scoffers. But many, many in his cell found the Lord Jesus Christ. He suffered amongst them, but they could see something in him. His face was different. They could see Jesus in him. What can people see in you? And it's an old story. A goldsmith said following, when he was melting gold, and how long has he, will he have that gold crucible where the gold is, is it's molten? And how long does he leave it on the fire? He said, till I see my image, my face, on the surface of the molten gold. That's what God does. He wants to see his face in you. It goes through hardships. Circumstances we can't bear any longer. Does he see his face in you? Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that I might be in your hand and stay in your hand. Melt me, Lord. Form me, shape me after your will. And I thank you, Lord. I bless each and every one in the name of Jesus. Lord, we call you Lord because we want to be changed by you. And we don't want to do our own will any longer. Amen.